I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is a Lip Media Podcast. Sit, boo-boo, sit, boo-boo, sit. Girl, I don't. Some bad hat hair. It's a cool story. Get any of that? Not a doctor. Bye, have a beautiful from your life. Hello and welcome to Hunting Seasons, the podcast that dares to binge watch, deep dive and break down a season of television each and every episode. I'm Broderick Gordis. I'm Damask Leary. And today we'll be discussing Rick and Morty Season 4. Damask Leary. Yes. How are you doing over there? You are struggling with your little papa. I do have a puppy sitting here with me who is demanding attention, um, which is both very cute and annoying. How are you going? I'm doing it right. I'm doing I'm pretty well. I'm pretty well. Exciting things going in my life. Stuff I'm not prepared to talk about right now. Mm, Yes, Uh, let's just, you know, get under wraps until things are settled. But you know, exciting, scary adult stuff happening. So that's cool. Have you heard about last one laughing i think it's called it's an amazon series an australian show hosted Mm. by rebel wilson right which is about i think it's 10 australian comedians are all put in a room for six hours Mm, and the the whole premise is that they need to try and get each other to laugh and if you laugh then you get kicked off the show that it's a competition for a hundred thousand dollars oh my god yeah it features people like um ann edmonds and frank woodley and there's some pretty cool people on it Mm. i've actually been really quite enjoying it oh, it's a Amazon series it's well put together Rebel Wilson is is a good host on the show I oh, think I love Frank Woodley to bits it's just mm. really good like sit back watch people go insane yeah uh, in a room together and genuinely have a good laugh so wait who gets the 100,000 the person that wins so Frank Woodley would get a hundred thousand dollars. That's the thing. I'm very much like rooting for Frank Woodley in that show. Yeah, I kind of feel like he's the person who needs it the least yeah. <laughs> of the yeah. of the ten comedians in there. Yeah, Ed Cavill. Ed, Ed Cavill, I think his name is, could also probably doesn't need it. He's mm-hmm. got a multiple uh, like TV show contracts and stuff on at the mm-hmm. moment. Give it to like an an I think it's Ann Edmonds and Emmons or one of those people. Some of the the lesser known comics would make, yes. I think, would be really helpful. Frank Woodley probably doesn't need it, I don't think. Yeah. Uh, that's good. That's on Amazon. So, what's the um, the ratio of very kind of well-established comedians to kind of like, you're up and comers? Oh, I'd have to go. Oh, um, I mean, realistically, realistically, Frank Woodley is the most recognisable comic on there, mm. I would have thought. Ed Cavill is well known as well these days because he's everywhere. Yeah. Beyond that, the others are, are people that you'll see on, because um, I don't know all of them by name, unfortunately, but uh, people you'll see on the project or at, at the comedy festival, those sorts of things. Right. It's okay. really Frank Woodley's the top tier one by mm-hmm. a wide margin. 
Did you hear the news though? Have you heard the news that's been going on this week? No news. No news whatsoever? I don't know. What news are you about to tell me? Well, it's been an interesting week because there's been a lot happening in the TV space in particular when it comes to black representation. Mm-hmm. Oh, For yes. For yes, instance, we'll mm-hmm. go through a few different things that have happened this week. Um, there's been the removal of 30 Rock episodes featuring characters in blackface. Yeah. Um, there has also been the removal of Scrubs episodes from streaming service Hulu that <laughs> feature blackface. Yeah. Well, it's well and truly been coming for a while. Yeah. Um, Central Park, the new Bob's Burgers creator show on Amazon, I think that one is as well. Mm. Uh, or maybe Apple TV Plus, actually. Um, they've recast a character that is black that was played by Kristen Bell yes, for I season two, which mm-hmm. is a good idea. Jenny Slate has exited Big Mouth because mm-hmm. she was also voicing a black character. Yes. So this has been happening. How do you feel about all this? Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's good to give more opportunities to um, for people of colour, particularly when we're talking about characters that represent people of colour. Alison Brie has also expressed um, a lot of regret this week yeah. for mm. her time spent playing Diane Nguyen. Well, I mean, it's interesting because we're about to talk about a an animated show that has a yes, white does. woman playing an Asian, or voicing an Asian character. Yes, it does. Um, yeah, no, I, I think it's good. I mean, I'm glad it's happening. It's, I mean, I guess it's... It both is and isn't surprising that it's happening now. Like, you'd think it would be the natural thing to do. Uh-huh. Um, but, you know, like, oh, yeah, I, you can't critique posi- or be too critical of a positive change, I think. It's very easy to say this should have happened already. Yeah. But at the same but time. But I find that unproductive to kind of lean to. I understand that feeling. Sure. Um, but I think. Yeah, it is somewhat unproductive to do. And also as a a white person who... Ha- Ow, fuck. Sorry, <laughs> my puppy just bit me. Well done, Pearl. Uh, <laughs> as a, a white person who hasn't been emotionally or psychologically affected by that, it's easy for me to be like, all right, well, let's move forward. So I understand that. Um, but yeah, it's, a, I think, a positive change. And um, yeah, I, I, I think it's good. Just to ask you a, another unfair question, just to round right. this all out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also bring it back to Rick and Morty a little bit before we start a discussion on that. Uh, so, amongst the 30 Rock episodes that have been taken off the air now and the Scrubs episodes that have been taken off streaming services too, today it was announced that Netflix has removed Advanced Dungeons & Dragons from Community Season 2 off of Netflix. For, for Dark Elf. For Chang... In his drow black makeup. That's not blackface, though. This is very interesting discussion, Because right? there's a joke about it being Two a people hate mention crime. it. Yeah. Shirley immediately says, are we just going to ignore this hate crime? Yeah. And then I believe uh, it's Pierce that says blackface mm. to what um, he's doing, to what uh, Chang is doing in that scenario as well. He's and not doing blackface, though. He isn't. I don't think so. But you and I are not the people to decide that. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I, it's definitely a discussion. I want to see what the response is to it. I've, I've yet to see anyone who really has said that they found this to be to be blackface and to be problematic. I can definitely see how it's uncomfortable. I can definitely see because it's leaning into that idea. It says yeah. so explicitly. But it isn't blackface. But does that matter? Because for, for me, for me, the biggest, yeah. the biggest shame of it is, is literally my favorite episode of Community. Like yeah. I adore that show, and that for me is like an episode that is perfection. Mm. 
Um, and so to see it taken off out of the season to be able yeah. to watch on Netflix is really disappointing. But obviously, if there's problematic stuff in there, I can see what they're doing. It's just a question of whether that's true. It's like the discussion about whether Tropic Thunder is problem. Like Tropic Thunder is obviously leaning into that as well. It's trying to have a very deliberate comment on that sort of thing. Mm. But does that? But mean- that is blackface. It is blackface. But it and it, in that situation is deliberately commenting on and has people of color commenting on a white person doing this. Which is basically what's happening right now, right? Mm. Like the the actual culture is evolving I mean, into that discussion. Yes. Well, in Tropic Thunder, they do comment on it being blackface. I don't think it goes truly into like the effect of like it still is very much a joke. Sure. Um, and it's a joke really told by and for white people sure. um, and I think it makes fun of more of like your method actors, your Daniel Day Lewis's and stuff Definitely. than it does about people who do blackface and why that's so terrible. Yes. Um, it's taking that extreme version and yeah. using blackface as yeah, the example. That's like, yeah, taking, making a comment about blackface that is actually tangential to the actual joke, which is making fun of people like Russell Crowe and shit. Sure. Whereas this episode of, in my opinion, of Community, it doesn't depict blackface. It mentions how it can look like it and why that would be confronting. Um, But he's not doing blackface. He's playing a dark elf. True. But when you do that, make that choice to mm. have Chang in blackface. Yeah. No, sorry, sorry. To have Chang in the dark, dark elf, elf makeup. Yeah. You are doing it because the comedy mm, comes from the true. fact that it looks like blackface, which is what the joke is from Shirley and from Pierce. That's yeah. what the comedy is made. So while, yeah, technically he's not doing blackface because he's not impersonating a black person or intentionally doing that. Mm. Once you um the the joke comes from the implicit similarity to it, yeah. Does once it the matter? Joke is made. Yeah. Does it, that matter anymore? Because really, maybe then it is blackface at that point, and that's where I don't know. This is where mm, I just step away and no, go. No, you've made a really good point. I there. don't know anymore, and that's where I've got to leave it up to other people who actually would be affected by something like this mm. to tell me if this is right, this is wrong. Yeah. And I'm gonna follow them. Because yeah, this I one. think yeah, the natural assumption for me like. Until the joke is made, it doesn't look like blackface to me. However, I'm not a person of colour, but a person of colour watching it, yes. like that looks like blackface, what are they doing? And so they've acknowledged it, but then also acknowledging it makes it, can make it the thing. Yeah, cool. Yeah. And so then the uh, the discussion evolves, and this mm. is not an episode of Off Topic, Hot Topic, this is an episode of like <laughs> Rick and Morty uh, season four, which we'll get to in a second. Mm. Then the, the discussion evolves from, okay, so when Pierce says something racist... And the joke is about Pierce being racist. Mm. Is that racist? Because if this thing of implying that mm. something that looks like racism is funny because it looks like racism, does that well, all of a sudden yeah. make community there's, extremely problematic? Well, there's certainly a lot of discussion at the moment about you know much of Tina Fey's body of work, which oh. particularly Thirty Rock, which is one, it's like it's just making fun of incredibly dumb or narcissistic or superficial people, sure. many of which are racist. And mm-hmm. so that it's uh, so much of it is around ironic racism, right? Or like the, the joke is the racist point of view. However, in doing that, they are saying a lot of racist things, yeah. um, particularly since, you know, the, the showrunner is a white woman. 
um, yeah, it's an issue. And my initial knee-jerk reaction was like, it's not racist. Tina Fey isn't racist. Like I, I didn't want to hear it, um, but I realized that that was like my white fragility coming out and I didn't want to have to critique something in someone that I really loved and respected. Um, so I've like been struggling with that, I think, in the last week, really kind of looking into why my one my initial reaction is no why it's been so hard for me to like not even engage in but simply reading the perspective of those who do find it really um, upsetting or problematic or hurtful or whatever the reaction is Um, so I'm just like I'm going through the motions of that at the moment sure um, and just kind of like trying to sit back and not be so butthurt that's kind of homophobic to say (laughs) not to be so like up in arms or protective of something because others are saying that it's hurtful. At some point, I think we just need to get to a place where we have to be able to understand that we can still appreciate something as being funny or good in its own ways and have problems like this, particularly Mm. if it came from a time where culturally we just weren't at a place where we were understanding this thing properly. And not to say that... We as white people, yeah, yeah. White people, definitely, yeah, yeah. It, well, in this case, when we're being protective of something that is has been created by white people and has not been sensitive to race properly, mm. as it should have been, then yeah, we need to go, yeah, you're right. That yeah. does suck. It doesn't mean there's there's it's completely that show or whatever is without value, mm. but that, that, that wasn't element. good and yeah. I don't support that anymore. It's interesting. I was uh, This started, this actually happened quite late last night here in Australia. Andy Bobro posted about this first. He's one of the writers on Community. Mm. And I asked him, I just said to him, hey, it's a serious question. Um, do you have to run this sort of stuff by somebody um, before you, know, you, you write this into a script before it goes um, onto the air, before you film it basically? Mm. And his response was something that I already sort of understood was that, yes, it gets goes through a department that basically looks at these things and says, is it going to be okay to put on the air? Mm. But what I then thought, I didn't ask him explicitly, but my thought was like, okay, do when you write a joke like this though, did you have any people of colour or any you know anybody who was black on the writing stuff? Mm. And as far as I can tell, they didn't at the time. Mm-hmm. And that makes it really challenging. It's like, we well, don't have anybody in the room who can sort of say, you know what, guys? I get what you're doing, but this is a problem for some reason. Yeah. And that makes it really difficult, I think. It's mm. like this is a great example of where having diversity in the writer's room is such an asset to you because you don't walk into these sorts of freaking potholes because mm. of your ignorance to those sorts of issues. Yeah. It also brings in like in terms of having uh, diversity in a writer's room, you also need to look at like the power dynamics within how the show is run. And that's so true too. You might have women or people of color in that writer's room, but if you have a white showrunner yeah. who is like lambasting like everything that you're saying or like, you know, any kind of, or you don't feel confident enough in that situation to speak up as the only person of color or as the only woman or only gay person or whatever. Exactly. Um, then, yeah, simply having diversity in Tokenism the is not yeah. enough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool. What a way to start our discussion today. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, let's get to our spoiler-free review of Rick and Morty Season 4. Let me clue you in. Season in review. After three successful seasons, Adult Swim has gone all in on Rick and Morty, ordering 70 more episodes from the team of Justin Roiland and Dan Harmon. Season 4 
arriving two full years after the last and released in two half seasons of five episodes each, keeps the Rick and Morty machine rolling with a heap of celebrity guests including Sam Neill, Kathleen Turner, Jeffrey Wright, Pamela Adlon, Elon Musk, Justin Thoreau, Matthew Broderick, Liam Cunningham, Keegan-Michael Key, Paul Giamatti and our favourite New Zealand director droid Taika Waititi, just to name a few. Season 4 consists of 10 episodes, each coming in at around 22 minutes and took us approximately 3 hours and 40 minutes to watch. Is my pronunciation of Taika Waititi problematic? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I did it Ask accidentally and know. now I'm leaning into the joke and now I'm worried that that's not appropriate. Taika Waititi? When you asked me the question, you said it perfectly. Yeah, I know. Because I deliberately am making the effort to get better at it. And it's like, now I'm just turning into freaking Tina Fey. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) What were your feelings on the first three seasons of Rick and Morty? I thought they were incredible. Um, I enjoyed the, which I think Dan Harmon and obviously the rest of the team do really well, which is dealing with... uh, depression and narcissism um, and the darkness of the human psyche <laughs> against uh, absurd, funny, quite joyful things. Um, I thought they combined it really well. And it was – they took you on quite a ride for a show that I just thought would be some fun, probably far too cerebrally intense um, stories. But they've made it such a an emotionally resonant show that I just I've I've fallen in love with the show. Yeah. What about you? Uh I've loved Rick and Morty mm-hmm. through its first three seasons. I think it going back and re-listening to a little bit of our previous podcast, because it's been a while. Like it's been a good we watched all three seasons in quick succession and, and reviewed like them quickly. Years. So it's been a long time since mm. we've gone anywhere near the show. And I honestly hadn't gone back and watched a whole lot of it since then. Um, but it was obvious that it was building momentum and finding itself and getting better and better. Such a creative show, such Mm. an inventive show, a show where anything can happen. It's like the deranged version of Doctor Who for me. Like Mm. Doctor Who is one of those shows that can be anything at any time, and this is like that but with crude humour and Mm -hmm. even more absurdity, and I've been loving it. And, yeah, it does surprise me how it can find a way to really examine some less than ideal characters quite well if you're paying attention. Apparently, some of the audience does not understand that it's not trying to make a hero of Rick. Mm-hmm. And I have enjoyed the way they've critiqued and and looked deeply at these flawed characters and what makes them tick. And, and that's definitely a strong undercurrent below the surface of the absurdity and the adventure and the fun of it all. Yeah. With that in mind, can you please give your spoiler-free review of Rick and Morty Season 4? I can, but I'm going to let you oh, go God first. I actually haven't written anything too crazy here, but I guess this is where I'm at. Coming at this two years after the last season, having mm-hmm. had a bit of a separation from it, um, I was, I've was i cut to the end of the season. I'm like, how much do I appreciate this season compared to the others? Mm. I think part of it is that for me, Season 4 of Rick and Morty is excellent. Uh, in, in a broad sense, maybe not as revelatory as other seasons have been. And maybe this is the season where we start to see Rick and Morty become more of an institution in some mm-hmm. ways. Because what ha- was happening previously was a season would be made and they'd hope they'd get picked up for another season. They'd spend a year and a half to two years making the next season. They'd do that again. And then what happened is Rick Swim went, now we want you to make 70 more. 
At which point, you probably have to start going, well, we need to make sure we can sustain that and not burn out. Yeah. That's something they actually talk about a little bit mm-hmm. in an episode in particular. Not go back to drinking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and not just go yeah. back to drinking. Um, and that is what I felt this season was. It was like a really good example of what I think we should expect from this show for the next six seasons or at least four mm. or five seasons assuming they want to come to an end by the time they get to their 10th season or something like that. I think at this point, um, the strength of this show is it really has a clear understanding of what it is and what makes it great. It is extremely self-aware of that and it still exuberates, is exuberant in its originality, I mm-hmm. guess. It comes in with some truly unique and out there ideas and is so good at executing on them in a satisfying, fun way from episode to episode. Not every episode is an all-timer, mm. but every episode I'm entertained to some degree or another. If it's not, if, it, if the execution's a little bit off, at least it was hitting for the fences. Like, it yeah. has got such an ambition to, to be absurd and yet still... Ha- like, this is the thing I love about Justin Roiland and Dan Harmon at this point, I just really appreciate, is it feels like, to me, it's the, the marriage of Justin Roiland's complete absurdity and Dan Harmon's ability to write a satisfying story. And every episode can contain all of that somehow every week. And it's really, really, really enjoyable. Basically, my feelings at this point are I didn't come away from this maybe as rocked or as emotionally engaged as I did from season three. But it's kind of what I keep saying about Queer Eye. If they want to release 10 more episodes of this every 12 to 24 months at this quality for the rest of my life, I'll be more than happy. I'll yeah. be perfectly satisfied by that. This is just a great show to get in dribs and drabs whenever it arrives. Enjoy it for what it is and look forward to more. And that's where I'm at with season four. Here, here. What about you? Uh, we have quite a few similarities in our reviews. Uh-huh. All right. So I have written something. I wrote, the last time we reviewed season three was in 2017. Mm-hmm. So young. Jeez. So naive. <laughs> so coming from a very different place this season and I recognize that um, both just personally, emotionally, but the world is quite a different place. So I will start by saying that this season of Rick and Morty feels different to the last. What I have loved in previous seasons is the absurd humor mixed with a buttload of emotional and psychological analysis of a total asshole. On the surface, I felt as though the show had become more episodic this season with less focus on the damaging pathology of Rick. But while the episodic nature of this season feels more apparent, there was still an exploration of Rick just from the perspective of the other characters. We see their growth this season more than his own. Seasons one, two, and three were phenomenal and gave me just what I wanted. I had a story boner for the show during those seasons. However, I found myself a little flaccid this time round. Beautifully put. Thank you so much. It wasn't as gratuitously cynical or punishing of the incessant dickhead Rick this year. Instead, it was a more subtle story of what the people around the asshole do with incremental steps towards independence and self-respect. The exploration of Rick has been momentous thus far, but how can you keep going and doing that in the same way when considering the 60 more episodes the show has? 
While this season, the show has unabashedly attempted to shed the weight of its past in a way and embraced episodic storytelling this year with some very important foundation laying. There need to be a moment of pause before moving forward, I think. Yes, the more psychological and emotional exploration is still needed, but the rapidity of the exploration needed to be somewhat halted this time around and in coming seasons. Season four is the pause before moving forward, and that may feel unsatisfying for some fans, but not for me. This season prepares the audience for the story moving forward, and in doing so has made me quite excited for the future. I don't want Rick and Morty to continue in perpetuity. I don't want it to be like The Simpsons or Family Guy or whatever other animated shows are out there that just keep going and going and going. Though I, I understand that some people do. I just don't want it to do that. I like the- in- is, that, is that because you just feel like inherently Rick and Morty has more story potential? If uh, it, yeah. Because it, it's got that serialized nature to it. Whereas it The does. Simpsons, it doesn't have that reset every episode. Yeah. There are- consequences that continue from yeah i think this show i mean like the others do but this show has diminishing returns in in regards to why i come to it so and that is yeah the the emotional storytelling that's there um because that stuff is my favorite stuff in the show but if the creators want it to last a little longer they can still have fun and explore the insane multiverse they've created i'm not opposed to that so this season they have elements of emotional storytelling, though far less than before, but they've really kind of cemented again the what the show can do and why it's fun to watch, yeah. which is good. Rick and Morty can and should be both of those things, something reflective and introspective, but also fun and carefree. This is the season where the show tells its fans to calm down on the thirst for more intricate theories and ownership of resolutions they deem cool and instead to relax and enjoy the ride, whether it be emotionally resonant, intensely cerebral or about absolutely nothing. It can be all of those things. Don't stress. It's all good. We're just going to be doing this for a long time to come. I think that's exactly it. I think it's just like it's a it's a reset of expectations. We ha- th- this is a long game now and we need to be you need to prepare yourself for what that means. Um, and the worst thing you could do if you're planning to do this for another 7 potentially 14, 15, 20 years, God knows how long it's mm. going to take to do it is try and one up yourself every season. Yeah. Like Figure out what makes the show work. Lean into those elements. As they say, I think, episode one of this season, a little bit of the old, a little bit of the new, and, like, mm-hmm. move in that direction that way. And I'm... I That's the thing, I guess. What is comforting to me is I don't feel like the writing has lost its edge, its edge at all. No. I I don't feel like they tried for something and missed. They just obviously went, we're not going there yet. Yeah. We're going to just stay here for a little bit longer mm-hmm. and sort of uh, and stretch this out. Yeah, but, absolutely. Uh, with that all that in mind, what would you give this out of five stars? Yeah, it didn't like blow my socks off like the last season mm-hmm. did, um, but it's still so good. It's That's such a it. great show. I'm going to give it four because it's really good, but it's not going to go down as like a season that will stay with me, yep. I guess. Yeah. yeah, I was having trouble figuring this out as well. It's weird because we both gave season three a five. Mm. And it, it's like, I don't feel like it's a half star back from, a full star back from there, if you know what I mean. Mm. But I do agree with you. I think it's it's like a four. It's like, this is excellent. Yeah. But it's 
if it's not pushing for that next level, then I'm I'm not gonna give it that four point five. Yeah. I think it's a four, and like a high four, easily could give it four point five, just because like I'm I'm having a great time watching this show still. Yeah. I'm not. It's not even close to being a struggle at all. Not even close. No. This is great, great television still. Just, yeah, a different flavour of it at the moment. Mm-hmm. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerising gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Before we dive into spoilers, we'd like to ask everyone who enjoys the podcast to please review us on Apple Podcasts. Nothing helps the show to grow more than by throwing five stars and maybe a couple of nice words our way. And to sweeten the deal, if we reach 25 written reviews on Apple Podcasts, we will finally review Buffy the Vampire Slayer Season 1. We know you want it. (laughs) We would also love you to share hunting seasons with friends and family who you think might also enjoy listening. Next week, we'll be back with our review of Mrs. America Season 1. If you'd like to contribute to our discussion of Mrs. America, or if you have any thoughts on Rick and Morty, you can write to us or send us an audio recording that we may include on a future episode of the podcast to contact at huntingseasonspodcast.com or find us on Twitter at HuntingSCast. But right now, let's talk spoilers for Rick and Morty Season 4. You're now entering the Spoiler Zone. Spoiler warning. From here on, we'll be discussing everything that happens in season one to four of Rick and Morty. Before listening any further, we recommend watching all of Rick and Morty up to this point. If you've not yet done so, proceed with caution. There are spoilers ahead. You have been warned. warned. That's really disappointing. I can't do anything right. (laughs) 
Keep it in. Yeah, say. <laughs> Deep dive. It's cool to know other people think about this stuff too. We don't do this often these days, but when we were doing our Rick and Morty reviews in the past, I believe we were just sort of going on an episode by episode basis. And considering this has been a very episodic season, mm-hmm. there hasn't been a lot of through line or serialization of the story. I think that's the best way to do it again mm. this time. Uh, let's start with episode one, Edge of Tomorty, Rick Die, Rick Pete, these bloody titles. Uh, so this is the episode where Rick dies over and over. Uh, he keeps sort of being re-uploaded yes. Into a spare clone body in the garage of a Rick in an alternate dimension, mm-hmm. while Rick, uh, while Morty on the other hand is using a death crystal, I think it is, to try and point himself in the direction or do the things that will ensure that he mm. dies with Jessica, or yes. he dies of an old age and Jessica will be there. What do we think of this episode? Um, I thought it was a good leap into season four. Mm-hmm. Um, we do see hints of Morty kind of making decisions for himself. Ultimately, they're always the wrong decision. <laughs> Poor guy. Um, Sometimes I don't think that's true. No. In the sense that Rick makes sure that his decisions have oh, horrible yeah. consequences. If he is, <laughs> to the nth degree, he yeah. has to learn that lesson over and over again because that's... Don't defy Rick. ...the <laughs> controlling uh, behaviour of Rick um, to absolutely undermine any independence that Morty might want. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, I thought it was a, a good leap into season four. Um, it made me laugh a lot, which was nice. Um, yeah, I thought it was a, a good reintroduction. In terms of um, the larger story, it's interesting to see that we start off with Morty um, in a storyline in which he is hyper aware of all of his consequences and so therefore doesn't want to make any mistakes and, you know, has, like, is not really being present, not really living. Uh-huh. And then also later on, we have Morty living without consequ- consequences in terms of having the reset. And um, I think through those two things and throughout the rest of the season, Morty's path is to find balance. He sure. doesn't want to be like, Rick and have no consequences. I mean, this terrible, terrible fucking person. Mm -hmm. But he also doesn't want to be his old self of someone who's totally scared of committing to a decision or to growing and that type of thing. So, yeah, I thought like thematically it was a nice place for us to start. Um, On a metatextual level, this is an episode that's really talking about the expectations of the show going forward Mm -hmm. as well. Yeah. Um, The idea that the show has to always be looking at the target of like where it's heading yeah. in the in the distance yeah. versus the part of the fan base in particular that keeps wanting the show to be you know the old classic Rick and Morty adventures to return to things like Mr. Meeseeks yeah, which and, we see the fascist Morty and the fascist very much Morty. all about that I got to say that 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 deliberate comment of mm. calling out the part of the fan base that does seem to on the Venn diagram overlap with some pretty, you know, questionable, if not completely awful and fascist ideals yeah. is a thing I'm really glad the show did. Mm-hmm. It, it's not going to just passively sit by and go, oh, that's not our we problem. We happen to have heaps of racist fans. Yeah, or it's like, 
And so, let's yeah. call it out for what it is. Mm-hmm. Like this is, yeah. the, we do not align, we with, that. align That's, with that. Rick does not agree with you on that one. Yeah, you, Rick is your freaking hero apparently, mm-hmm. this embodiment of who you want to be. You think yeah. this character somehow. Rick doesn't like you. No. <laughs> Rick is not at home, you know, reading Ayn Rand. I mean like, yes, <laughs> yes. Yeah, I did really, really enjoy that. Um, I like the Akira stuff. With Morty in a big way, I just thought that was really enjoyable. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite things about this was just like it's the bit that reminds me of why I love this show and sort of how ridiculous but how clever and it can be. It's when like Morty's like his power is increasing and he kill he's like taking out all the bullies <laughs> and then kills the cops and stuff and he mm-hmm. ends up at the courtroom mm. and you're like. How does he get out of this? And then just like by wording random sounds until he says the dying words of the judge's dead husband, mm-hmm. which is enough to convince her yeah. that, this, that, you know, I, I can't punish this man and he gets off. It's so absurd and so <laughs> funny. It's like this is why this show is incredible. Yeah. It's just I also, written by Mad yeah, Men. I also loved great. the commitment to, you know, after... Morty is released and then I think it's the news reporter is yes. like, yeah, he's like, he's been released. This is canon now. He can't, as, as far no longer as, punishable. As far as continuity goes, the race reset button has been hit. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah. I did like that. Yeah. Uh, episode two, the old man and the seat. This is Rick's secret mm. toilet. Uh, and meanwhile, uh, the, the dating app that Jerry has mm-hmm. made with Taika Watiti's uh, alien friend. Yes, that's right. Um, very cute little alien. Very cute little alien. Mm-hmm. Real, yeah. This was this was a good episode. I thought it was fine. The idea of this, like, the monogamy dating app. These aliens that are trying to spread the idea of monogamy, but then mm. the the nature well, sells of- it to us because we believe it to be a finite entity when when in fact it's not. Yeah, yeah. And then, like, seeing uh, yeah people racing from one life to the next to different lovers or soulmates or whatever mm-hmm. uh, was very, very funny concept. Um, really, for me, the, the highlight of this episode is the Rick stuff, though, and the oh, idea yeah. of Rick's protectiveness great. of this secret toilet of his and mm-hmm. then this begrudging friendship he creates with this... I can't remember the character's name now. I but, can't remember either. Um, but this person who is secretly used his toilet and just the like that final image of him sitting on the toilet with this booby trap taunting thing he'd Tony. Set up. Tony it might be mm. the taunting setup he had for it for Tony mm-hmm. after Tony's passed away and Rick is left an- alone with yeah. him with multiple versions of himself just being a prick yeah. well it's just it's perfect because very- you know obviously Tony speaks to this in which you know Rick is so obsessed with control mm. and even just the the simple element of, you know, him doing a poop is, has become such like a point of pride because it is something that he can control. And for someone to, to violate that sense of control he has is unforgivable. Um, and then obviously on the flip side, we have Tony who through seeing how Rick is and how he lives his life, decides to actually, I'm just going to go off and really live my life because I can't control everything. Being that person is insane. Um, yeah, it's it's one of those things where you can just watch it for what it is and the absurdity of like Rick being obsessed with like, no, this is my toilet. You're not allowed to poop here. Mm-hmm. Um, and as someone who is a very shy pooper, I get it. And I really 
you know, appreciated the representation. <laughs> but it also like really hit me as well being like, yeah, like when my anxiety has been the worst, like things like, you know, needing to only poop at home, I can't poop in public toilets, all that stuff is heightened and the anxiety around that is heightened as well. And to realise that it's a it's a just a symptom <laughs> of a much larger problem. So there there is depth there even in, in that very silly little story. But what I also really enjoyed about that episode was was the B story. Um, while the first time, because I watched the first couple of episodes twice, because mm-hmm. I watched them when they first came out, and then I dropped off. I was like, oh, I'm going to binge Rick and Morty when it's all out, which is what I. It was also coming out a weird time because it was like a week after the US, so it's like yeah. you couldn't even participate in the conversation. Because it, for some reason Australia was behind with its release on Netflix. How anyway, rude! Yeah. Um, yeah, but I, I like that it was a nod to Beth, or who we, because we're at that point unsure if she's a clone. But at, from the story perspective, it is Beth. Mm-hmm. She has made the decision to get back with Jerry yep. to really work on that relationship, and it's yeah, just a little nod towards Beth coming to the realization that, you know, this ultimate happiness doesn't exist, that kind of form of love doesn't exist. Even if you match with Ted Ted Danson. (laughs) (laughs) The real measure of love and what love is, because it isn't actually a measurable thing, is, you know, the tenacity to continue to work at it. And the the work is the love. It's not the, um, the, the end product of the work, yeah. Or the idea that just that you are inherently in love or loved by somebody else by compatibility or yes, whatever it is. Yeah. yeah. Uh, one crew over the Cuckoo's Morty. What? <laughs> <laughs> what? Okay, titles. <laughs> Chill. Uh, basically, the description for this episode is heists. Heist. Like yep. that, is, <laughs> that is what this is about. Mm. It's about the tropes of heist films, your uh, Ocean's Eleven mm. and so forth. If the first episode was like a great reintroduction into the ideas of Rick and Morty, into that world, commenting even on the metatextual nature of the show and how it is, and the second episode is a bit more of an introspective look at who Rick is. Mm-hmm. This is just, let's have a good time. Let's lampoon the idea of heist films. And yes, there is an element of control for Rick in there on Morty, which is the ultimate sort of like reveal mm. of this. The heist was all best about hijacking Morty's... Um, own idea and enthusiasm for that idea. Mm. But man, if I just didn't have a really fun time. Sanchez, you son of a bitch. I'm (laughs) in. Like, I just had a very fun time. I think what I really appreciated about this episode was because, yeah, I had like, I did have fun watching it, but I was like, okay, I I get the joke. Um, I actually think I preferred the version of that joke later on when it, in terms of um, the time traveling snakes, oh. the, the sequence of when they're at Hitler's place and just the joke in that room just being filled up and then them spewing over the balcony because it is the continuous um, people traveling back into that moment just made me laugh, which is like kind of what the heist thing is doing. It's just that repetitive Joke on a genre, yeah, yeah, which which is really funny. (laughs) I I did enjoy it, but what actually made me go, oh, cool episode was that end moment. Being like, I get it, we're having fun with genre, which is if this show wants to do that in like episodes throughout the season, I'm having fun, so that's great. But what made me go, okay, wonderful, and also made me go, I was horrified. 
that Rick is facilitating the disillusionment yeah. of his grandson because he doesn't want to be alone. It was horrific. <laughs> it it just is. Like, and also help reminding us that, you know, the, the, the true villainy of Rick and, yes, we can have a good time with him um, and a lot of the times we're, like, just so happy and almost feel fortunate to be, like, in his world but ultimately, like, the price that Morty has to pay and is very much trapped in a very unhealthy relationship made me go, oh, good Lord. And I can't wait to go back and rewatch it because it is going to be fun and that moment is still going to be there. But, yeah, I, that made me go, holy shit, I almost forgot who Rick Sanchez was. Mm. Episode four, Claw and Hoarder, special Rick Tim's Morty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, slut dragons. Uh-huh. Uh huh. <laughs> Morty wants a dragon. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Rick inadvertently soul bonds with this dragon, mm-hmm. which creates a whole slew of problems. Okay. So, as I was watching this episode, and I know people are going to have criticisms of this episode being really dumb. Oh, it is. Um, and yeah, and it is. I fucking thought it was. So I lost my shit yeah. when first they soul bond and then the wizard comes back <laughs> and just starts whipping. whipping him, calling him a slut. <laughs> like it just it really, really spoke to me at a, at a base level that <laughs> like, it was just so funny <laughs> to me <laughs> and still is. And I, I've got tears in my eyes just because the concept is just, so stupid, mm-hmm. um, but no, I, I, I thought that was a, a fun, good episode. It was interesting because I think the more I watch it, the more I'm gonna get stuff out of it. As I was watching, I was like, "This is just a dumb episode," and Jerry talking to the cat and stuff. I was like, "What the fuck is happening?" I mean, Matthew Broderick playing a talking cat who just wants to go to Florida. I mean, and- it's genius. And escape whatever horrific origin story we'll never know about. <laughs> That's so upsetting that Rick has to wipe Jerry's mind of it. <laughs> Rick goes to shoot himself in the mouth. Yeah, yeah. He has to like, yeah. Yeah. Far out. But, um, yeah, no, I, I enjoyed it. I was watching a video. I think it was by The Take uh, yesterday about that episode. Sure. And a conversation about, you know, fandoms and... Particularly Game of Thrones in particular, you know, Morty is this character who's like, you know, you promise me dragons, give me dragons, and ultimately it doesn't end the way that it it wants him to. Um, Jeez, is that what I was saying? Because I, did I, I didn't get that on a first well, like, watch, in, but I liked As I was watching the take, hearing. I was like, that's really interesting. Yeah, um, that is and, a take, and, the take. Yeah, and in, in terms of um, Jerry and the, the talking cat, who's all about like, don't ask questions, just enjoy it. Yep. And that also like that conversation around fandoms and stuff. So I think there's like... Wow, there's way more than I actually... Yeah, I think like, there's way more realized, there than yeah. I got. And as I was watching that video, I was like, it makes me want to really go back and analyze it. I mean, totally. I've only just finished this 
yesterday. Yeah. And this show really needs a watch and a rewatch and like a deep analysis, which I haven't done this season. Yeah, I me did either. mostly just enjoy it, but I just want to put that little well, that was the other thing spark with, of information that is not my own. When we did the original three seasons, we had already watched those once beforehand and yeah. we were re-exploring them. So we'd already come in with a lot of like future knowledge and come back to it and sort of yeah. what the show was doing. This is not the case this time. Um, it's been a year. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> it's, yeah. Yeah, so we're getting to this in this manner. That's really fascinating stuff. Because mm. for me, I think it is the stupidest, silliest, dumbest episodes possibly the show has ever done. I kind of dig it really, mm-hmm. really for going so hard mm. at the silliness of it, though. Yeah. Like, it just goes for it and does not let up. And I actually, it's funny because I remember um, Lee and my brother was watching it when it first came out and I was... I walked into the room and saw some of it. I remember thinking, like, this is a bad episode of Rick and Morty. Mm. But sitting down and watching the episode from start to finish and understanding what I was doing, I was like, oh, no, this is... And I had, like, some of, if not the heartiest laugh I had all season. Like, I think it helped me... um, It eased the worry I had that if it got too silly, I wouldn't enjoy it that i needed all of all that um not timey-wimey but you know what i mean like that kind of playing around with deeper concepts Mm -hmm. and all that stuff and you know it it may have been doing that according to you know other people's theories but if it wasn't because the first time i was watching it i wasn't getting that deeper meaning if it exists i was having a really good time and i fucking love slut dragons it's (laughs) <laughs> just that conversation with Morty when he's trying to like say I need to be alone and he's like yeah. do you just want to click hand soul bod you're embarrassing yourself <laughs> I just loved when like all the slut dragons came out and then there was that weird one who was fucking that was it like a weird a mammoth, mammoth creature yeah. like, you're the only one who does that like <laughs> just things it was it was very silly but very funny and I enjoyed it episode 5 Rattlestar Rick Lastica Rick Lactica Rick Lactica thank you that makes sense Battlestar yeah. Black Galactica, uh, Snake Planet, yes. and Floating Jerry. There are A and B stories in this yes. one. Uh, the, <laughs> the Snake Planet idea, and again, mm-hmm. the execution of it, for me, is the the overall winner of this yes. episode for me. Just like <laughs> the, the idea that Morty is so worried that he is like, destroyed hope for mm-hmm. 19 billion snakes or whatever's in this planet. So, takes a Earth snake, <laughs> puts it in a space suit, the space suit, and lets it back down to that planet. And then the ensuing, like, conspiracy and, like, <laughs> governmental involvement that leads to a time war of snakes. <laughs> what is this show? And amongst mm. all that, the snake jazz. Snake jazz. Oh. And I love... Um, fuck, I've got a name. Not Beth. Summer. Summer. Thank you. Just the introduction of Snake Jazz. To her friends. To her friends. <laughs> <laughs> the little moments that I really enjoyed of Summer, like particularly when her friend was just commenting on Jerry having bees now. <laughs> which is... Summer, I want to fuck your dad. Oh, really? <laughs> which is great. Um, but yes, so the Time Wars of Snakes was a, a nice little moment. I, And it was just filled with like, really fun things because I don't love 
time travel narratives. Generally, I find them really confusing. Hey, um, Rick d- deliberately doesn't yes, do time travel. Yeah, um, which I have always appreciated. But to do it in this way was really fun. Having moments like when the snake Raham Lincoln or whatever the fuck his <laughs> name, stupid name would have been, he opens up the note that someone's passed him and it's just so good to me. Really, truly enjoyed that. Um, yeah, I... Why not? You know, why the fuck not? And then obviously Jerry is floating up. I really worry about Jerry. I, I like, I'm getting to a real place of pity for Jerry. The thing I love about Jerry. But like, it stresses me out because, like, he really could die at any moment because he's so inept at life. Yeah. Um, Like, when he gets thrown out of that bar without his girlfriend Boulder and he floats back up, I was... Really upset for him. Mm. I think the thing I've come to really uh, like about what they do with Jerry, right? Jerry is incredibly pathetic and stupid, <laughs> right? There's no way around it. Good intentions or not, yeah. he is. Why I like what they don't He's do with- He's fucking shit, yeah. Yeah, he is. Yeah. And there are so many particularly animated shows, but even just sitcoms in general, where the pathetic, dumb, stupid dad- you know, f- husband and father role is somehow the most admirable and heroic yeah, person in that show. Yeah, it's forgivable and um, endearing. Exactly. Yeah. And there, it's not that I don't enjoy or like Jerry on some level, mm. but I'm really glad that we don't get to an episode and go, oh, Jerry's really the best no, at the it's end like- of it. The show absolutely acknowledges his limitations. Yes. And, you know, it even says that when Morty... You're speaking to him at, at oh, maybe it's summer. No, it's definitely summer when they're camping. Mm-hmm. And she's like, you lower the bar so low. Totally. So that you make, get a moment of like, oh, he's okay. And it, that's fucked. But at the same time, I was like, that is fucking harsh summer. And I really thought, I was oh, like, that was an awful thing to say to your dad. Yeah. it's it, I mean, it goes back to the, the app episode when... They're in this uh, Jerry and Morty are in the ep- the sorry the spaceship together, and Morty just says something like, you know, earlier today, like you fucked it up this way, and then and now like you're so fucking stupid. I thought we were we were gonna die, and Jerry just goes, that was it. That was all you had to say. Was it? <laughs> like, of course it is, because he's yeah, he's a goddamn idiot, and his family has genuine like anger and resentment towards him because he's incompetent and he's not a good father because he's an idiot he's like never around when he needs to be around he is in no way helpful yeah um yeah of course you'd be angry annoyed not want him around it it makes sense but also you understand that jerry is aware of his own limitations yeah and while a lot of his attempts to overcome those limitations are so misguided and cause more problems. You understand his wants, his desire to continue to do that. Because what else can he do other than like lie down and give up? It's like you cheer for him when he takes his pants off and then lets the rain <laughs> fill them up to bring him back. I down was to like, earth. that's so smart. It's very unJerry thing. Yeah. And like even the bit where he walks in, like that's the thing. I the bit in the bar with the rock is it's like that's not Jerry's fault. Yeah. Like, like he didn't stuff yeah, up exa- there. Yeah. That was just... Or is it his um, fault that they have so many ceiling fans? <laughs> <laughs> Stop floating. I can't. Get down here. Just poking him with the yeah. pull cue. Actually, something just to go back a little bit mm. on um, Jerry. In episode two, one of the, th- the, the, the Rick toilet episode, there's this like gas or substance or something, goo, I can't remember what it is, but it, it like gives you this like ideal life 
like uh, what your version of heaven would be oh, or whatever, yes, right? Yeah. And um, then Rick's just got a bunch of people down there. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. But yeah. Jerry gets a little bit of that at the very end of the episode. And then his this world that he imagines is one where he is just like delivering water to people yeah. and they really appreciate it. And he just does that yeah. 90 times a day. Yeah. And I think like, <laughs> so <laughs> which amazing. is so beautiful. Yeah. I mean, that's who Jerry is. And I think if he existed in any other family on this version of Earth, yeah. they would love him and appreciate him and think he was wonderful. Because like when we see a lot of the other people that exist in this version of Earth, they are very similar. They are dumb. They're inept. You know, they... They're just living very basic lives. But he just happens to have fallen in love with a girl whose dad is the smartest man in the fucking multiverse. Mm-hmm. And his daughter is also very intelligent. Um, and his kids have been exposed to things that are far more exciting than what he could ever provide them with. And so they fucking hate him. I did. I noticed there's a lot of Nazis in this season mm-hmm. as well. There were Nazi snakes in this one. There were Nazi well, parallel universes. Like in the first I said, episode. we reviewed the last one in 2017. There's a lot more Nazis now. There's That's well, they're a lot more visible. That's true. Um, and they're actively recruiting, so mm. it, it, it's understandable that that is represented in our media. Uh, also, is Rattlestar Rick Lactica a technically a Christmas episode? Yes. We need to remember that in future. Christmas uh, off topic, hot topic. So we do. Yeah. Uh, episode- beautiful Christmas story. So that was the end of the first batch of episodes. They released mm. late last year and then we yeah. had a break until yeah. early this year and then they started releasing the next yeah. uh, five. I, sorry, I just wanted to. Please. It's important to note in that episode um, the lesson that Morty is meant to learn, which is to do exactly what Rick says. Otherwise, these big, horrible things happen. And yet he also has to learn the lesson um, to ask more questions and not just follow along. So Rick is absolutely just like gaslighting and like making Morty's world so small that he can't move without making a mistake. Is it possible? This makes me think like there's this origin story for, story for the bad Morty, right? The mm. eye-patched Morty. I mean, it makes sense. Yeah. It might just be this freaking Morty. But I also think like... But what we see of this Morty is him realising that Rick is not the centre of the universe. Yeah. Whereas evil Morty still believes Rick is the centre of the universe and, like, is is so, like, focused on destroying him. Whereas this Morty is, like, seeing a grander, bigger perspective of, like, uh, you know, leaving you might make technically my life smaller, but good Lord, it's a whole lot richer and, like, has more value. Uh, we so we come back with episode six, uh, never ricking Morty, sure. Uh, which is essentially the story, story train. train. I've, now I've only had to watch. The, I've only watched this once, Me and I too. want to watch it. It, it goes again. like the train at a million miles an hour. There is so much going when it on. Started. Yes, I was maybe ten minutes in. I was like. Did I smoke weed and forget that I smoked weed? Because what the fuck is going on? Because <laughs> it really felt like when you like watch an episode and you. You're, in a, not, you're in a scene and you're like, how did we get here? Well, it's 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 doing so much. For, it took me a long yeah. time to realize. But when we got to the end, I was like, this is going to be so good on the re the yes. rewatch. Like, there's so much there. I now see what they were doing. It was yes. enjoyable moment to moment. But it, it yeah, it did feel like you're in a train watching the scenery go past very quickly. Very quickly, and even like the whole bit of like when they're outside the train, <laughs> the story like there's this like. 
mechanism that is making establishing how what's happening in the story is somehow not real. Mm-hmm. And like then they come back into the train, it sucks them back in, and which is playing on the trope that you see in shows like Buffy does an episode like this, yeah. Community does an episode like this. The idea that the, the the canon that we see is somehow an imagined version or an alternate reality of real people existing in a different in our reality or whatever it might be, I was like, this is fucking next level. Like, <laughs> this is blowing my brain. And yeah. like, I've seen, like, little articles talking about, like, they didn't just break the fourth wall. They may have broken the fifth wall here. Where, what even is that? Like, Well, I mean, they discuss oh. it in the, in, the, yeah. in the train, in the story. The in the story. Yeah. I don't uh, feel qualified to talk about this episode properly, properly yet because I've only watched yeah. it once. I think this episode probably requires an episode of Hunting Seasons by itself to yes, talk about yes. it. Um, maybe we can do an off-topic, hot-topic. We can come back to it deliberately yeah, and have another problem discussion that. about that it. Would, that would be fun. Um, I mean, it was full of so... It, that's the thing. It's too complex now to kind of deconstruct because we haven't taken the time to do that. So maybe we just... Like a moment I loved in it was um, Morty's version of a story that passes the Bechdel test. <laughs> <laughs> that was so good. Just a feminist masterpiece there. <laughs> it was it was great. Um, Fe- also, female the- scorpions. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's that late that yeah. judge lady. Also, just like the the throwaway line from Morty, like "Why is lesbian in her title?" Which I really enjoyed. That was good. Um, in in talking about is it Alison Bechdel? I think. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah. I'm just really. <laughs> I did, yeah. There's just a whole lot in that episode that was fun. And I, I'm looking it, forward to the deconstruction later, but it was fun. It's extremely fun. When at very the very very beginning, before I knew what they were doing, right, and mm. they were like they were just lampooning the idea of like the anthology set up where everyone has a story about Rick Sanchez, right? Mm. I kept thinking this, like I keep comparing this to Doctor Who because of its potential to to do anything, right? Yeah. But for a second there, I thought they were doing the thing they did with the Eleventh Doctor in Doctor Who, where all of a sudden he was so notorious mm. that everyone had it out for him. Like yeah. I was like, that's an interesting place to take the character, but that's not what's happening at all. And, like, to get to the point where they're talking to Story Lord, I think is the name of the the bad guy in this, Mm. um, and, like, talking about the potential for the show to burn up Mm. by trying, yeah, by misusing or misdirecting how they play like where this show goes over its subsequent seasons the 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 hack ending with jesus christ the resolution up, is so good hell. to get out of this to oh make, my god make them born again christians <laughs> and commit themselves recommit themselves to christ yeah is fucking hilarious <laughs> and then like this is the sincerity of the prayer yeah it's just like taking you back to church when i was a kid i was like fuck yeah no that that's accurate. A way to destroy a show yeah. would absolutely be that. Um, mm. It's interesting that the episode before this was Rattlestar Galactica was the name of the title. I think Battlestar Galactica has been accused of doing that actually at the end a little bit. Um, uh, that's right. They do, yeah. Gets very angels and gaudy and like... Well, they bring in a level of spirituality that is so vague. Yeah. It's like, well, what's what even is the point? Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, yeah, yeah. I I say we put a pin in this episode and we do come back to it one day because I really do I want to examine to it properly and I actually do a little bit of reading. I'm sure there's going to be some stuff out there from Dan Harmon talking about this. He's very good at discussing this sort of stuff. But mm. it's like it, the only thing that worries me, like the anxiety I get from an episode like this, is like 
how far can you push this? Like, what else is there to talk about, show? When you are literally, like, making an episode set inside the Dan Harmon story circle, you <laughs> at some point, your own yeah. metatextual, like, self-awareness mm. runs out. <laughs> you just burn up. I don't know. I yeah. don't know. Episode 7, Promortius, the face hugger planet. Which starts in a cool place. Mm. I really like this one. The just Rick and Morty walking through, and then one of the facehuggers gets caught off, and they mm-hmm. take them off. They have to figure out why they're there and what's going on. Um, yeah, just a really solid episode of Rick and Morty. I thought. I'm trying to remember what the was there a base story or lesson to this one. They don't nine eleven a planet. That that is by itself just worth the episode they existing. They Pearl Harbor a planet. So classy. Yeah. So classy. Then they realize. That Summer was with them on the planet, so they have to go back. Yes. And she has created an entire civilization. Um, just <clears throat> to get off the planet, though. Yes. Like, it's all just to get to a yeah. point where they can escape. Yeah, because she, she is so capable and clearly, like, sure. the heir to Rick, if anyone was. Though but but don't, the, She doesn't want to be. She's just being herself. But the way that she accidentally gains that notoriety by just having the, the toothpick is... She's like making, as you do as like a teenager, like this is my thing now. I've got toothpicks. And then the uncovering that that is the way in which she saved herself. And then I love the immediate thing of like, well, no, I've been alive for 28 minutes and I realize it's just a toothpick. But because of the aliens only being able to live for 30 minutes, that information is lost to time forever. And so she becomes their new leader if not god um was perfect but what i really enjoyed was the love story between the two face hugger aliens yep. yeah sure that beautiful was it uncomfortable to see rick and morty's bodies very and, close to kissing and their voices as well yeah, like that voice. it was, it was incredibly sort of, disturbing yeah but beautiful and then like you know can we have a family yes and they start walking away with an egg each to go and start their yeah. family and then you see the moment where we started with where um, Morty, his face hugger, gets caught and ripped off. Now, with the new perspective, is heartbreaking, which I really enjoy. <laughs> they were so close to escaping. Mm. Um, I don't think I've got much else to say about that episode. Should we move on? Sure. Episode eight, the that of Ap- A- acid episode, uh, or the save state device episode. It's the why I really enjoyed about this episode was again, mm. it's commitment to an execution of the joke. A, just the setup of Morty calling out Rick's dumb, dumb acid vat idea, which takes it a good chunk like of the episode to do. A daydream that I had as a child. You know, when you're just like imagining impossible scenarios and like how you would get out of how them. How you escape them. Yeah, it, it, it is literally that. Like it's a child's idea of how you might escape. Yeah, yep. it's great. Uh, that that whole that just scenario was hilarious. When they mm-hmm. get there, the exchange goes wrong. Oh no, let's jump into this vital acid. And then the conversation that's happening above. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, Dan Harmon does a lot of voices I noticed this season. That, yeah. Heaps and heaps and heaps. And he's doing a great job, I thought, as mm. well. Um, those, you know, it's like, I just gotta I just gotta sit here and like absorb this for a while. They gotta sit there in the tank and wait. <laughs> and then the whole the the rat whole, bones. The throwing the rat bones in, then they're gonna throw their friend in and like the confusing the nature of all that. Mm-hmm. And then eventually Moore's just like boom, 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 mm-hmm. shoots him and gets out. And then yeah, and then what the argument about how he never listens to Morty's ideas and he gets Rick so angry that he creates the save state uh, device, which 
we'll get to the end of that. Ultimately, is just another way to teach Morty to listen to what Rick does and never question him. But man, the safe. But also is a lesson. <sighs> yeah. Yeah, it's a lesson to always go with what Rick says, but then yes. also like, well, you should have asked more questions at the same time. So you make you, you make Morty unable to move. Yes, yeah. exactly. Just keep him where you where he wants yeah. him. All that aside, the safe state device, that sequence of him using it, <laughs> amazing, is incredible. Because yeah. at first, it's just an ama- amazing montage of just little stupid things, stupid mm-hmm. banal uses. Yeah. Of which my favourite might be, for some weird reason, this is the one that Isn't hit me. Is it the video game one? No. Oh, that was my No, favorite. that's very funny though. <laughs> no, my favourite one was when they, they're in a restaurant and he gets like, oh, he gets like food. food regret. He yeah. gets like food envy, so he redoes it and orders something else. <laughs> and that's so stupid, but like, yeah, that's exactly what I would yeah. use it for. Because who doesn't hate that? Mm. Um, and then the extended love sequence between him oh and this unnamed God. woman... Um, and the tragedy of the plane crash <laughs> and they're getting through that together and they just mm. fall more in love and then to accidentally press the freaking Jerry. button. Oh, my God. And then when it gets... He, like, and it's and in I his love back it because pocket. you know Fuck. it's going to happen. Of course. you know, And you can just... And you know you, it's making you feel... Making you feel for this relationship but you know where it's going to go and so you... The anticipation is just getting worse and worse, but you have glee because you know what they're oh. doing. And the fact that they have effectively made you feel for this couple, which is Morty and this random woman whose name we'll never know. But um, yeah, it was it was beautifully done. But then the button on that, once all those realities emerge together and everyone has memories of everything he's done, mm. and she shows up right as he throws himself into the vat of acid, yes. because she she would have had that too, would have understood what was happening all of a sudden, and it's like the extra tragedy of that. It's... Oh, it's so good. So upsetting. But, this you know, just... Check. Yeah. Is a great little step, a fun episode, insane episode, but also another great step towards realising that the family are just so ready to move, you know, that, that much further away from Rick and how toxic he is and terrible. This is the episode also where, like, he, because he does this, the save state thing to, like, have that interaction with Jessica. Mm. And then, like, but by the end of all of this, it does get this sense that Morty has grown a little mm-hmm. bit. He's a little bit more understanding of himself. He's yeah. gone through... The things he's done now. The things he's done yeah. now. That whole sequence with this unnamed woman. He's been loved by someone. Yeah. yeah. Fully invested in that and then had that taken away from him. Um, yeah. It's You do get this sense that Morty is sort yeah. of growing into himself a bit well, there. I Jessica mean, that's that the too. thing is that like Rick has taken over Morty's life so much, like constantly pulling him out of school and mm. interrupting his life. He hasn't had the opportunity to develop outside of Rick, but unbeknownst to Rick in doing this fucked up punishment, he has given Morty an opportunity to really experience life and to grow and to have consequences. Yeah. The problem with Rick is that he doesn't have any consequences because he doesn't need them. He can always figure out a way around them. And Having Morty next to him the whole time, Morty has also been in that position. He has like emotional scars and that type of thing. Definitely. Um, But he, yeah, he's been stunted. Whereas this little trick has caused Morty to grow and to see Rick more clearly and to have more confidence as a person. Episode nine, Childrick of Morty. 
This is the I think it's ri- just Mort. Children it? of Mort. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so because Children of Men is the mm. is the like pun. Yeah, right. Uh, the Rick Planet Babies. Rick mm. Rick has already had a girlfriend that was basically a planet. So this is Yeah. The, I mean he's got a thing. He's definitely got a thing. And that little uh bit button at the, at the end where yeah. he's watching the The porn. The porn like planet. Watching it ironically, but clearly not. Yeah. <laughs> it was very, very, very good. Um This is a good uh good Jerry episode, good Jerry and Beth episode. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed the little B plot with, and it really is very silly. But I, I love the the moment where Rick's like telling Summer and uh, Morty how great doing drugs and playing video games yeah. is. <laughs> like that stuff's great. Um, yeah. I'll never knock on you. Yeah, I don't know. Did, I enjoyed this episode. I don't have a lot. To say I, about yeah, this I think it was a good way to um, <clears throat> show us where everyone's at at the moment. Mm-hmm. So we have um, we've seen it a couple of times now, but. Morty and Summer um, having a re- having a relationship and yeah, quite a sure. good relationship and Morty having someone else to rely on and mm-hmm. have fun with or have an adventure with or just be a part of a team with is Summer. So he's he's got someone else and Summer is, you know, not perfect but coming into her own as well. Um, I mean, they both work well and terribly together. Yes. Um. They're much more equal footing there, whereas they can they both have ideas and encourage one another's ideas, even if they're bad. But they, you know, they end up getting the job. They done. had a result. Yeah, exactly. They killed a Zeus. Yeah, in in you know in the way that kids would, yeah, as siblings would. Um, we have uh, Beth kind of revisiting this idea that she still needs and wants the approval of her dad. She wants to, you know. She wants to be yeah. a team with him. That was probably the biggest highlight for me yeah. is definitely the repositioning or re-emphasis on Rick and Beth, which I don't think we had a lot of at this season at this no. point. And suddenly in the last two episodes, there was a lot of that. Yeah. Um, because I think... And it is a great dynamic. You can't have it too much this season without, I think, the acknowledgement of where we left last season with sure. the clone. So I think having it in 9 and 10 is probably just the smart way to do mm-hmm. that. Um, so, yeah, seeing that she does want she still does have that desire um to have that relationship with rick um but ultimately obviously you you're hanging out with a guy that wants and can fight god or a god um and so it's it's not a healthy situation to be in and then we have jerry who wants to be a dad but Wants to be celebrated for being a dad, and just within, being depended upon, just being yeah. needed. Yeah. Um, but he can only give so much, and what he can give, his family doesn't really need. He literally has to hold back <laughs> progress to make himself relevant. Yeah. So I think it was a good little check in to see how the family dynamics are in the most fucked up and weird way you possibly uh, could. Yeah. I in a very very broad sense, just the joke of like the geyser of. Morty babies, rock babies is fun. <laughs> mm-hmm. But then that turns into that metaphor of like creating a civilization and preparing it to make itself independent by leaving the planet or leaving home essentially yeah. as the same as like being a parent. The idea that Rick is sort of has been the real parent to these rock babies because mm. the absent Zeus father, like just the absurdity of all of that is, <laughs> is a real fun time for me as well. Uh, finally, episode 10, Star Mort Rick turn of the star mort rick turn of the jerry mm-hmm. these are getting ridiculous guys uh which I think that's one of the more sane ones that we've seen, <laughs> but yeah. it's just there's there's mort rick and jerry are all in that 
We don't have to do this every time. Uh, this is more or less the return of Other Beth. Mm-hmm. Which, I gotta say, I'm surprised it happened so soon. Or that mm. it happened at all. I really thought it was one of those things that might just be left on the You'd table. Never know, to yeah. be ignored forever. What? But I like that this show, with either option, it can do. It can leave that alone forever like it, it might bring up something next season that you feel like is a big thing but might never come up again sure. and it'll be fine to do that but yeah but in this instance it has brought it back and i think it was a good decision to do that as well yeah. uh, and, and for what reason do you think what what did you get out of this episode i think this season rick is obviously slightly on the outer of his family. So that power dynamic that we have previously seen no longer exists. And I think this is the... Well, that the was the consequence of just getting this right. The consequence of last season was that there were some rules established as yes. to how the whole Rick and Morty thing was going to work in that household, basically. Yes. And that def- that plays out since episode one of this season mm-hmm. that like he Morty was only participating if Morty wanted to, basically. Yep. It's like he couldn't just drag him around and put him in danger like he had previously. Yes, go yeah. on. So in this episode, we have you know, the the real moment of isolation, which is at the end in which both Beths say, we don't actually need that information from you. Because um, I think so much of the way Rick has existed in the family is through asserting control by saying, I have all the information, all the answers. Mm-hmm. I also bring all the protection that you need. And this is the moment where the family goes, all that stuff that you've offered us, um, we don't really want it anymore. We don't need. We actually don't need it anymore. And and they walk away from him. And then he has the moment of reflection. Whether it's going to stay or not, who knows? Because this show can both continue that or drop it. Um, yeah, I'm trying to remember the in, last time he really acknowledged a weakness in himself so explicitly to say, "Wow, I'm a really bad dad." Yeah. Um, and then also mm. once again, like the double gut punch of then he's like oh but at least i'm a good friend bird man bird person bird person i'm so sorry to um miss ginger um bird person is gone (laughs) like he might eventually be able to create bird person again but he is alone his friend has gone as well his family don't want him the way that he demands to be wanted Mm. and that's not to say that they don't want him as a person but the way that he has been functioning is no longer something that they're interested in um certainly not explicitly anymore um so yeah i think it's just like a moment of isolation and proving to himself why he is isolated it really uh, has become a season of watching rick try and try again to exert control Mm. and ultimately it seems like losing it having the least amount he's ever had over the family. Yeah. That, that Those final moments, that's what we get to. It's interesting because this has not been... Like, it it, let, it had the Tammy stuff and it had the Phoenix person stuff and it had the big fire and those sorts of things, but it didn't feel to me as gargantuous as other season finales no, have for the not. season. And that doesn't worry me at all. Like I said, I, like if, if you keep trying to do that, you are going to burn yourself out. I don't out. think the they were itself. aiming to be as big. No. If, whereas if they had aimed to be that big and he was like, oh, it's not as satisfying or whoa as previous, then you would feel, yeah. It is interesting though because I felt like at the end of last season, I did have like the Beth question and stuff like that was left hanging. Mm. I'm I'm trying to think what's left at the end of this. Like the Beth question is sort of uh, pretty much resolved at this point. Mm -hmm. 
the bird person stuff even, just to have him back in Rick's lab really takes the whole Phoenix person tease mm-hmm. and deals with that quite a lot. Really, we can't, there's not a lot we're waiting for at the moment except mm-hmm. to eye patch Morty, I think. Which is a yeah. big one. Like the like Rick's origins is, is still a big question in mm-hmm. a lot of ways. Yeah, I think that's probably. I definitely. Yeah, it's a deliberate choice I, I to think like so, just to reset kind of reset yeah. because expectations had grown so high yes. that I think it was probably in the greatest mind unwieldy and also could never be satisfying yeah. if you just let people kind of stew on their their own thoughts about what it should be for however long. Totally, yeah. You get to that point, and people are like. Well, fuck this! Like it's not as good, blah blah blah. Yeah. Um, whereas if you just like, okay, well, well, we've ended that, and we've ended it in a way that we wanted to, and now like the the possibilities are endless. There are always going to be, I think, um, theories around the show, and they'll create little threads that people will want to follow, and that will be purposeful on their part, the uh-huh. creators' parts to do that. Um, but I think this is very much saying like we are going to do it the way that we want to do it when we want to do it. And mm-hmm. it's not going to be a big build up of like 10 seasons and now we're finally that's here not because that's is. not the function of the show. Yeah. yeah. Ultimately ends with, you know, converting to Christianity. Exactly. Um, Amen. <laughs> the only other question I had was, how did you feel about, in, in not in terms of what it does for Rick and Beth's relationship necessarily, how do you feel about the reveal that Beth's answer to the question was, I want you to choose? Because mm. um, that was the only bit that I wasn't 100% sure about. In terms of what that was saying about Beth, there was something about the mystery of which Beth we had that was going to say a lot about Beth. And ultimately, to, to to say that she actually gave that choice to her dad, mm. I don't want to say that it like steals something from Beth, but I I don't know. There would there was there could have been something there. There would have been a bit, maybe something a bit more definitive or a bit more revealing about Beth to have had her make a choice to either stay with Jerry and then or to have left, and which one the clone was, and so forth. Mm. I know it. Kind of feels a little bit cheap. I can see that because yeah. all it really said to me was Rick still couldn't do what his daughter want, and he. And so ultimately, even that that answer was more of a comment on Rick than it was about Beth. I guess if that makes sense. And yeah, that was, no, it absolutely. It, yeah, I think it says quite a bit about Rick. But you're absolutely right. In order to do that, that means we remove the choice from Beth. Yeah, um, and that's a little bit disappointing for me. Not saying it can't be built upon or Mm. it's like it's not without something but it did like i was i was yeah i was a little bit disappointed that's where that went yeah i think i'd probably have to think about it a little bit more Mm. um in terms of what that lack of a choice means for beth and i think i would probably i'd prefer to re-watch the last if not the last few episodes of season three to absorb that reabsorb that um and then look at that moment a little clearer, I think, to see what that could or should mean for Beth, yeah. Any last words? Final thoughts. That's why you always leave a note. Do you have any side notes to mask? I don't. I've only got a couple. Uh, I've gone through a few of them already, so this shouldn't take too long. Um, I loved in the first episode when Rick goes to, I think it's the planet... Or the, the universe where they're all like shrimp people or lobster, mm-hmm. like crustacean people. Um, <laughs> they ask, because Rick 
has evolved from apes, whether his house looks like a tree. <laughs> Which is great because yeah. when you see these other versions of planets, they That's all so like true, yeah. look like whatever their <laughs> origins were. You know, it has to be like whatever that form was. Yeah. And so I was like, that's that's very v- good reverse on that. Uh, just a couple of quotes. Your booze mean nothing to me. I've seen what makes you cheer. <laughs> uh, five of my friends got Netflix deals. It's a very achievable goal. Amen. <laughs> uh, Summer, keep your toothpick. Morty, Stop talking to your sister about joking off. Everybody pretend podcasting isn't boring. <laughs> Rude. That one hurt. Uh, I know this is bad parenting, but if you stop fighting, you both get McDonald's. Mm-hmm. Save the day with puppeteering, only one with a decent arc. That was Jerry's <laughs> bit in the, in the finale as well. Um, but also something I really loved about the finale, just just a great example of like the animation of this show has been getting better and better every season. It's mm. good at doing big, broad stuff. But just a great example of great... Uh, I thought subtle but great animation was a bit where Tammy is fighting Summer when she is invisible Mm -hmm. and she goes to like attack her and then Summer grabs her leg and and then breaks breaks it. it. Now, the thing is, as I said that, right, I did the action to you, but you can't see that. But the animation is so clear. You knew exactly what happened. Mm -hmm. I don't know why I found that really impressive. I could... 100% 100% visualize what Summer did in that moment. Yeah. Even though there was nothing on screen except the basics of the animation and the sound design. I thought it was very cool. Just yeah, the power of animation in that moment. Uh, least favorite and favorite episodes. Uh, so for my least favorite, it's hard because there are moments in every episode that I really enjoy. But I guess it would have to be um, the snake time travel. That was your least favorite episode. Yeah. Really? Yeah, I think it says a so. lot about the quality of this. Yeah, season. well, that's the thing. Um, well, that yeah, because I've got least favorite, but then I've got all these notes about like why I actually liked it. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I just I'm just gonna choose that one just because I don't sure. love time travel, and obviously, I couldn't understand what the snakes were saying. I really don't have a good reason. That's amazing. <laughs> I love that. That's it. Um, it's funny talking back through this. I thought my least favorite episode was Claw and Horda Special Rictims Morty because. It, for me, it really was just this dumb idea. Can you explain to me? Sorry, is that the that's dragons? the dragon episode. So you right? need to explain what sorry, happens because the titles mean nothing. Totally. The yeah. dragons episode. Yeah. Slut dragons. And I couldn't do cat. that one just because dragon sluts made me laugh. And so on reflection, I think I really, really enjoyed that episode for what it was. I think I'm actually going to give it to Childrick of Mort because I gave it the least amount of notes. Like it was for some reason, it was the episode that I just sort of came right away with. Yeah. That so was that was episode nine. That was episode nine. Sorry. The, the uh, camping trip. The camping trip yep. and the planet. Rick Planet Babies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The guys are babies, yeah. Not a bad episode by any stretch of the imagination. As you said, there's great stuff for Morty and Summer in it. There's great stuff for Beth and Jerry in it. Mm-hmm. There's great stuff for Rick and Beth in it. There's freaking Rick fighting a Zeus. Like, what's not to love? <laughs> but I don't know. I just it's the one that I thought was possibly the most forgettable in its own Rick and Morty ish way. That's all I got for you. Yep, Favorite episode. Uh, I'm gonna go with episode eight. It's the one where, you know, Morty lives Without uh, consequences for a time, yeah. at least. Uh, it, like I said, it's got a beautiful sequence and great comedic moments. Um, it also does a great thing of illustrating what a destructive force Rick is. and But it also, like I said, proves that Morty has the capacity to grow past Rick. And yeah. in, in this punishment um, that Rick puts upon him, he actually has the opportunity to do that. And I think that's going to be really important moving forward and was important for the episode itself. Yeah. That, that, that I was choosing between two. 
episode six, Never Ricking Morty, which is the story train episode, mm. and episode eight, the that of Epis- that of acid episode. Um, because they're sort of like I, I think on a pure execution level, the that of acid episode is possibly the best episode of the season. Mm. For the sake of variety, I'm going to go with episode six, Never Ricking Morty. Because it's the episode I know I'm going to want to revisit the most. Mm-hmm. It's the episode the I one, already yeah. want. Yeah, the train episode. I already <laughs> want to go back to re-examine it mm-hmm. and explore it 100% and pick it apart and discuss it with you again. Yeah. I, I think it's it might be one of those episodes when, you know, a show is done, you look back on like the top 10 most mm-hmm. beloved or... Um, yeah, like a, an episode that really stands out. I think yep. it's definitely going to be on, on those lists a lot in terms of enjoyment and importance within the narrative. Yeah, I'm going to go with my one. But I, I, I can't disagree with I, what you're saying. I yeah. had a hard time splitting them. And I think both of those episodes are like all-timers when this is all done will be in discussions of the top 20 episodes of Rick and Morty. Yep. Like it will that they're both both excellent Predictions, hopes, concerns going forward. I don't have a lot. No. I mean, how could you? Well, this, I, I think that's ultimately my only thoughts is like... I think because we did last time. Yes. Um, but then, you know, and I think that's the thing is like this show was doing the thing where little tidbits would be dropped throughout the season and you'd build your theories and your, yeah, your hopes or whatever for where it was going. Um this season has really shown us not to do that. Yeah. Um, and so, I, yeah, I don't really have any. Yeah, I think this season has set the expectations for what the next 40 to 50 episodes will be. Mm-hmm. Um, it, uh, it has effectively reset the expectations, the status quo, and made me not like hankering for answers, but just Mm-mm. like, Cool. I look forward to those next batch of episodes when they arrive. And I think that's exactly what their intention was. And so that's where I'm at. Nice. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Hunting Seasons. You can find more of what we do via our website, huntingseasonspodcast.com. Our logo comes from Sean Kirkpatrick, aka at Shawnee Boy Draws. Now, theme song and bumpers from Lucas Heil of Birthday Loyalty Club. Find links to their work in our show notes. You can also find myself, Broderick Gordis, on Twitter at B Gordis, B G O R D E S, Damask. You can find me on Twitter at Maskymoo, M A S K Y M O O. Next episode, we'll be back to discuss Mrs. America Season 1. Have you watched a frame of this yet? Have you seen any of this? I watched the first episode quite a while ago. Okay, cool. Yeah. Are you excited to go back to it? Did you enjoy the first episode without spoilers? Uh, I thought it was okay, but I've heard huh. good things, so I assume it gets better. Cool. All right, looking forward to that. In the meantime, thank you again for listening. We will see you next time. Bye for now. Bye. Good night, everybody. And so we